0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking City podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host today Ash Barami and I am pleased to be joined by the first team duo of Simon Bykowski. Hello. And Stu Brennan. Hello, just pleased. Just pleased. Yeah. What's first team duo, I should it be seems, delighted, shouldn't it I? It seems to be... Uh, I'll advise what I said.
1: I'm seems, delighted. It seems to be going downhill every week. I the season, it'll be
2: gutted. <laughs> <laughs> like. I had it's a go in for delighted a while ago oh, and ever you? since it's been a... Yeah. A touchy subject
0: nah it's the first team duo so i am advised. that's delighted <laughs> so guys I mean um, first place to start really is that Zagreb game in midweek it, it was a comfortable 2-0 win for City a lot of missed chances in there that might irk Pep a little bit but all in all it was pretty routine wasn't it and 2-0 probably flattered Zagreb in the end
1: yeah I, to be fair I thought, I thought Zagreb defended pretty well you know they, they didn't didn't show a lot of ambition I mean Kep had said that you know he was impressed because the, the, uh, when they played Atalanta, they played five at the back and scored four goals, um, and we saw how really um, because they you know they, they packed the defence, but they were they were quite lively on the counter. Um, sorry, I've got a I've got a wandering mic. Um, yeah, they were, they were quite lively on the counter, um, but City did what City do. They just pinned them back. Uh, like you say, they were they were creating chances, but not clear-cut enough. And, of course, there was a VAR thing, which was, was just nonsensical. Um, you know, it was a clear handball. And if, if that, that penalty gets given and hits the back of the net, then it's a different game. Uh, it was noticeable. I mean, Sterling made a difference in that his pace and his ability to get in that, be Johnny on the spot. I mean, people talk about him scoring tappings, and he has, he scores more tappings than anybody in the Premier League, I reckon. But it's not a coincidence, because he's always in the right right spot. And he did it again. He used his pace to get ahead of the defenders, uh, City carved them open on the left, and then it's in the net. And then from then on, there's only one winner.
0: Yeah, he's almost become like a poacher, hasn't he? He's developed that instinct of what? Like um, a striker, like... Almost like Andy Cole, like would probably have had in his day. But I mean, it seemed like it was the subs again that it was the subs that made the difference for City in the end, wasn't it? And it just goes to show the depth that City do have.
2: Yeah, and and I mean, I don't think anyone would have argued with Sterling being on the bench after Everton or Norwich. I mean, it, he's he's not been in the best form, um, but I mean, he had his first few years at City, or his certainly his first year under pep and whenever he played for England he was in he played really well but he didn't get the goals and sort of now he gets goals and he's being recognized because he scores goals and it sort of shows that goals win games and it doesn't really matter how you play normally he does play to a very high level but it doesn't matter if you're the worst player on the pitch if you score the goal that that wins the game um and that's And that's what he did. And then a nice assist for for Foden, who took it very well on his right foot first time. Very good finish. I think, you know, Foden, I think that's his first Champions League goal, but he sort of has been a bit tentative in front of goal. And it's always going to be when you're trying to get your first and you first in each new competition. But hopefully that's a chance for him now to kick on as well.
0: Yeah. Do you think the number of missed chances is a bit of a concern to Pep? Or do you think it it was just one of them? one of them games
1: no I I think he's more concerned when they're not making chances as long as you're making chances you know uh, more often than not City are going to put them away we saw it against against Watford where they made five chances in the opening 20 minutes and every one of them at the back of the net I mean that was unusual Um, but City makes so many and they've got so much quality that 19 times out of 20 you're going to win the game if you create enough chances uh, even if you concede you're going to score more than the opposition it's just the odd occasion when that doesn't happen like Norwich um, yeah, but but those those are kind of freak occurrences these days with City um, Cyclical so no, is yeah, well I, I don't do you say cyclical? yeah yeah I, I'm not even cyclical. sure it's that I mean, it's just just occasional you know it's just yeah. occasionally that things don't happen the goalkeeper will have a stormer um, Aguero or somebody will have an off day And the chances that are created don't go in, but most times they do, and you just gotta look. You just gotta, just gotta live with that. When when you play football, you know every single time it isn't going to happen. But if if you've got a ratio like City have of of creating chances and scoring most of them or half of them, you're going to win games all the time.
0: Yeah, and Pep after that after the game apologized to Phil Ford, and we heard, we heard him almost like you you just could just tell that he really wants to play, him, but because that squad is so big and there's so many players ahead of him still, that it's difficult to give him that game time. Do you think side? Do you think with with Ford, and that's just a case of waiting until possibly David Silva retires until he is that first choice?
2: Um, I mean that is what. City say is the plan it's a bit weird really his answer it sort of started off a bit sarcastic almost um and that's sort of a bit that kind of got lost as it went to print um but the question was like I know you get asked all the time about Foden and his answer was oh yeah yeah I'm really sorry which he's he said before and uh it's just an unfortunate truth for Foden that um that he's got so many good players in front of him like City don't want him to go on loan Foden doesn't want to go on loan but if he barely gets any minutes then he's going to have to go on loan that's kind of the the situation they're in and um, I mean he was starting Carabao Cup games last season and getting a few minutes here and there last season <laughs> Uh, in other competitions, sorry, I think for him to consider it progress this season, he needs to be starting in more than just Carabao Cup games. And he hasn't yet. There's plenty of time left, of course. Um, but I think he needs he needs starts. I'm not saying throwing him throw him in against Liverpool in the do or die title decider, but I think if Pep is really sorry, then he needs to play him more. Yeah, Stu, what do you think?
1: I, I wouldn't be hugely surprised if he didn't start against Wolves on Sunday. But then again, when he has started... If he doesn't, what does it say, though? Well, but Pep starts him when you least expect it. Remember last season, we all turned up for a a huge Premier League game against Tottenham just days after City had... All right, they'd won the game, but they'd been knocked out of Champions League and everyone was on a downer. And you kind of think in moments like that is when you turn to your most experienced players... And we looked at the team sheet, and there's Phil Foden on the on the team sheet to start and scoring after five minutes. I don't think anybody predicted that Foden would play in that game. It was such a huge game under such difficult circumstances, and Pep threw him in. So, although I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if he played against Wolves, it wouldn't surprise me if he played at any any given time. The way Pep Pep's mind works and the way he, the way he assesses a, a player from his his attitude and his 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 performance in training and
2: and that can make all the difference in terms of whether he plays or not in the, at the weekend it also wouldn't surprise me if city signed an attacking midfielder when david silver leaves or oh. well, I don't think there's any guarantee. I, well, don't it, think, I don't think Foden can think, oh, it's fine. I'm not getting any games this year, but at least I'll play 30 next year when David Silva. I,
1: I don't think he would because he's at City and he knows what it's like. He knows if, if you're not right right on it. It was interesting. I thought what uh, Gareth Southgate said, because Gareth Southgate was asked why he's not in the England squad. And he mentioned about his physical development. Now that's something that City have talked about Ever since he was little. Ever well he's still little, that's the problem. <laughs> but ever since he was a small boy, um at City, they've been concerned that his physical development might be the thing that would hold him back. Uh and he was one player that they didn't push ahead. You know, when he was when he was thirteen he was playing in the under fourteens. Uh, whereas, you know, other lads might be moved up. You know, they might, they, you might get players who get moved up a year, who get advanced. So, I mean, Taylor Howard-Bellis has been advanced beyond these years, people like that, but they're physically capable of handling it. Foden, right throughout, they've, they've said, you know, he's he's small and he's slight and he needs to develop. Um, and it's interesting that Gareth Southgate is still talking about that now. Um, and I, that informs a lot because he, he's got all the ability in the world the only drawback that i can ever see is that when you see him in a, in a in that game against tottenham last season uh he was getting knocked about by you know tottenham have got a couple of big lads in their midfield and he was getting knocked about you know he at times he looks like a boy playing in man's football an extremely talented exceptionally talented boy but still a boy nonetheless and that can that can hurt you in in the premier league yeah, and
0: that's just something you imagine will come with age and a bit more experience. That when he does physically mature, he'll become more.
1: Yeah, he'll, he'll learn. He'll sense. learn how to cope. I mean, he, and he's got David Silva there because David Silva's always always had the same problem. He's different. He's a different build. Uh, he's small and a, and a uh, lower center of gravity. But Silva, if you if you watch him. He uses he uses the the size and physicality of an opponent against them. He he positions his body and he'll bounce off them and come away with the ball. And you you see Foden doing it now. You see him doing it occasionally, but he 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 can't he's not you know, he's he's not got the experience that Silver's got. But he he's clearly learning from watching the way Silver deals with it and uh I think it's it will come, it will come. Um the problem is it only comes when you play of course yeah. so it's 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 getting the getting the balance right but pep pep thinks he's got the balance right i know we'll be to argue with him
0: yeah do you think phil foden understands himself that he has to be patient
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's getting. You know, he, he'll, he'll be told. He'll be told, I and mean, he he's looking around him and he can see the the quality of the players. You know, if you're being left out and Carlton Palmer's being played instead of you, <laughs> you might start worrying. But when you're being left out because you've got Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva and David Silver and Ilkay Gundogan and these players, you've got and and they're all at it. They're all playing in in really good form. You just got to hold your hands up and say, "Well, yeah, I get this. I'll just keep keep my head down, keep working hard." And people, he's still really young, you know. Pep made the point that how many players of his age have have had the minutes that he's had, certainly in in that top echelon in the Premier League, and certainly in his position. You know, it's different if you if you're if you're an eighteen, nineteen year old fullback, slightly different because it's the same. You know, playing fullback is, is, well, it's similar in in playing in the youth ranks and playing in the Premier League. Um, but if you're playing in those spaces, you know, it's, it's the toughest job in that Manchester City team to play in between the lines, take the ball, you're surrounded by bodies, there's people flying everywhere uh, and you've, you've got to deal with it. You've got, to, you've got to pass it off or you've got to take your man on. Uh, I I think it's the toughest job in that entire team David Silva makes it look easy Kevin De Bruyne makes it look easy but it isn't and I I think that um, he knows that Foden knows that and Foden knows that you know everything that's been done is for his benefit as well as the
2: team's benefit yeah when you see Foden though with a ball at his feet he's happy as Larry whether he's got 50,000 people watching him or 10 people watching him and he did get frustrated last season when he wasn't playing and Pep chucked him in against Tottenham and he won him the game and he's still not playing. And Pep said a few weeks ago, like, I want him to be a bit more sort of vocal and come and talk to me and, and things like that. And he Pep likes to see players given it they're all in training and happy in training and I'm sure Foden will continue to do that but he might need to sort of be a bit more Show his frustration more to Pep, sort of one to one, if he wants to start more games.
0: Yeah, it was interesting you actually mentioned about City ban attacking midfield. I was looking today and they've been linked with uh, Martin Odegaard. Oh. That but Young Gunstew <laughs> Young- was right of yeah. at one point. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens then with Phil Foden moving forward. I mean, another player that has been getting the minutes now this season is Riyad Mahrez. I- after that Everton game, I mean, we're starting to see Rian Mares now. We're starting to see the player, essentially, that City bought from Leicester, aren't we, Sue? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think he's been, he's, this season in general, he's been exceptional. And and that the game at Everton, he was just the best player on the pitch by, by some distance. And it's not often you say that with City because, I mean, I do the marks out of 10 every week and you, you find it hard to separate them because he's such a team unit. But I thought Mahrez... Was involved in everything. He, he scored one good goal, um, and he was heavily involved in the other two. You know, you he, he, he could argue that he was the main. Cre- well, the Bruins cross for Gabriel Jesus was probably the the best part of that goal. But but it was Mariz's break and beating his fullback and creating the space that, that made it. Uh, and he, he was he also did you know he also made the space for Aguero for the for the third goal. So it, yeah. It, He's just been—he's been superb. He's been absolutely superb. You know, he's, uh, we've we've seen him running at players and going past them. Um, we've seen him putting crosses in. We've seen him having shots that are dangerous. He's—he's—he's he's, he's doing everything that he did at Leicester. I mean, you—you kind of wonder when you come come from that that position. You come from Leicester, where he was—he was a big fish. And even though they won the title, they were still a small pond. Uh, he was—he was probably you know him and Kante were probably the outstanding players. You could argue Vardy as well, um, but you still he's coming from that where he's like the main man and going to City where he's got to fight for it and he's got a lot of competition. He isn't going to play every week. I mean, players can can go under. And for a time last season, you started to wonder whether he was going under. Uh, and then every now and then he'd do something. You thought, actually, yeah, he's, he, he's a player. And then last game of the season at Brighton, he scored that goal which eased the pressure, you know, made it 3-1 and pretty much wraps up the title. And uh, from, from there on, he's just kicked on and, and he's, I'm, I was going to say he's undroppable, but of course he will get dropped now for, for Sunday <laughs> because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's played quite a bit of football lately. But he's he's superb.
0: I'll lead, I was going to lead on to my next question. Side, so, do you think he's starting to become one of the first names on the team sheet for Pep maybe?
2: Oh yeah I think he um well Pep said he was the best player in the league full stop on the opening weekend um at West Ham and then promptly dropped him <laughs> for the next two games um but he's coming I think he's been significantly better than Bernardo Silva this season so uh, for me he gets in ahead of Bernardo until Bernardo can start sort of showing some of the the form that he showed last season but he, Maris just looks to be sort of getting it more and assist he gave and the position he got for the in the game against Dynamo sort of that is a that is a City goal and his pass back to De Bruyne it wasn't complex at Everton but you know that is the same ball that Bernardo gave him against Tottenham so when you watch Mara's play it's clear like what he adds that's different to how City play but he's also getting sort of that City style a lot more
0: yeah I mean we'll come on to Bernardo in a bit but in terms of on the pitch I mean what, what you see in you did mention that he has dropped off a bit, but what do you think he's yeah. seen differently this year that, he's, that he was
2: doing last year? It's hard. I mean, I've not checked the running stats, so I don't know if his, his running's down, but it just felt like last season with De Bruyne injured, he stepped up and he was the man and he was unstoppable and he was winning every 50-50 that he had no right to win. And he was driving the team with goals and assists and... and I just kind of feel like, I mean, he had a longer season than most because he went and played in the Nations League finals and um, then had sort of a longish holiday. And I I don't know, I just feel like if you're talking about the most impressive players this season, you sort of can probably pick at least five before you, five ten before Bernardo. And last season it was, Bernardo was the first name on the team sheet.
0: Yeah. And of course there's been all the stuff that's been going off the off the pitch with the FA and Benjamin Mendy on social media. Stu, um we've seen in the last few days that Bernardo has been charged with misconduct by the FA over the tweet he sent to Mendy. Um what are, what is your take on a possible I mean, we've heard a possible six game ban. What do you what do you take? What's your take on it? I
1: think a six game ban would be ridiculous. I think it's right to take some action on it. Um I think it's it's difficult I mean I think Pep got it wrong in the way he's defended Bernardo I think he was right to defend Bernardo's character Um, and everything he said is true I mean we come across Bernardo he stops to talk to us quite a lot in the mix zone and he's one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet you know he's a genuinely nice decent person he hasn't got a racist bone in his body there's no question about that in my mind Um, but there's, there's the old thing that doing or saying something racist doesn't make you a racist. You know, you can do it inadvertently. And I think that's what's happened here. It's a joke that he had with Mendy. Uh, he was daft to have that joke on a public platform um, because there are other people who wouldn't see the funny side of it the way Mendy did. You know, that's something that they obviously have banter between two close friends. Um, and there are people, there are people who find that offensive and I understand why they find that offensive because it's a, it's a, it's a caricature um, that sort of reinforces stereotypes that that have persisted down the years uh, and it needs to be tackled, but it doesn't need to be tackled with a heavy hand in this case. You know, this isn't, this isn't a Luis Suarez racism kind of thing. Um, or some of the other pretty nasty examples we've had, it, we've had in football. This is somebody who's done it in, in all innocence, didn't mean any offence to anybody, uh, and perhaps just needs a little bit of education. In my mind, just sat down and told, "Look, we know you're only having a bit of fun with Benjamin Mendy, and we know what you were saying, um, but this is why there are people out there who find this offensive. Explain it to him. He's from a different culture." Um, You know, people expect a lot of footballers these days, you know, they expect them to to have a full grasp of of cultural nuance and this kind of thing. And they don't, you know, they're still young men who who are growing. He's a 23 year old, you know, I think that's when I was 23 and I was daft as a brush, you know, I didn't know anything about the world. So just sit him down and say, look, you know, this is where you've gone wrong. Um, We want you to understand this. And... Bernardo, from what I know of him, will take that on board. He'll understand it because he's an intelligent lad, and uh, it certainly won't happen again. And and that's what we want. You know, that's what we want, and it, it, we want that that message to be to be drilled home. You know, I understand why the FA do it because it's not necessarily punishing uh, Bernardo. It's making sure that others don't make the same mistake, and I think that's that's important. But to start talking about any kind of ban. Matches to me is just ludicrous.
0: Yeah, I mean, sorry, the FA have said uh, it's an aggr- aggr- aggravated breach of FA rules. I mean, I, I don't understand what. Do you, do you understand what what the mean by aggravated breach?
2: Um I don't know. I don't think they. <laughs> is it his response afterwards when he's... maybe the put tweet you put afterwards? And I, I mean, I, I I wouldn't get too too mixed up in the the wording of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think just it like. Like Steve said, it, you can see why the FA have charged him. And I think these re-education courses, nobody that's been on them has, has re-offended, whether that's because they knew it all already and had just, you know, made a mistake or needed educating. Mm. Um, it will be no bad thing for him to go on on one of those courses. But uh, to, to think that he would be banned for, for that is... Is daft.
0: Yeah. You think social media is becoming a bit too much of a headache now for, for for football clubs and players?
1: Well, when it's when it's used well, it's great. It's it's like anything, any other kind of media, really. You know, uh, the problem is it's so accessible and it's so instant. I mean, I, I'm as guilty as anybody of just reaching for my phone and tweeting something out, and then five minutes later thinking. Actually, no, that wasn't a great idea because there was a, something in the tweet that I hadn't really considered. You know, and it's such a it's such a difficult medium. If, if you're putting your point across in in eight hundred words, that's fine. You're sitting there and you're taking your time. But if you're if you're reaching your phone and tweeting out a thought that you've just had or an idea you've just had, it's not not a great idea. Uh, and I think that that's that's where people fall foul of it. Um, and it is, it's it's just it's just education. It is, it's getting people to stop and think and I'm the last person in the world who you should be asking about this because <laughs> I don't, I, I do it all the time. I, I, I do a need, I do need you to tweet. Tweets and then knee jerk twerks. I, def- I definitely don't <laughs> definitely do any twerks. twerks. No, that is not something you want to tweet. <laughs> 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 knee jerk <laughs> tweets and, and then and then um, you know sort of regret regret them. Maybe um, of course of course alcohol gets involved sometimes. And <laughs> in my case, but uh, but um, but no, you know it's um, it, it's something you, you've got to you've got to sit back and think about. I mean clubs clubs tell the players and of course most players these days their, their, their social media is run by somebody else it's run by an agent or or um, you know or a, some some kind of pr person um and they don't always get it right so you know we've yeah.
0: seen yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but yeah i mean it, <laughs> If if I was a footballer, I'd probably stay clear of it. I shouldn't say that because we pick up stories from it, and you know.
2: um, But I I think I probably would stay clear if I was if I was in the game. But increasingly, we pick up stories from it because they sort of feel like that's a way to get their voice out or their comments heard without it being spun or twisted by people like us. In a way that well, not like us, not like us, people no, not you like like two <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you know, it, it's easier to for them to tweet something than to speak to us after the game and not know how that is going to appear in every paper or website or broadcast. And um, I mean, no no player has spoken to any media since Bernardo since Bernardo's incident. So, you know, if we we sort of, you know, you want people to be themselves and authentic and sort of, you know, share what they really think, either w- when it's speaking to you or whether it's tweeting their own thoughts. But, I mean, the more, if, if Bernardo is made an example of, I think he's right to have been sanctioned. But if, say, they give him a six-game ban, then, you know, Bernardo would perhaps think, well, I won't bother with Twitter again or I won't bother speaking to anyone again because this is what can happen and and others may may go down that route and sort of feel like They can show less of themselves, I think, which would be a shame.
0: Yeah, it's a dangerous platform, isn't it? Twitter. I mean, because once you hit tweet on whatever you're saying, within seconds, some one person have a print screen, and then you're done. You you can't go back on what you say. You can't delete it. Yeah, it's not like something you say in person that you can just say, "Oh, but shouldn't have said that." Boris Johnson style. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) but I mean. I mean, I wonder if like clubs now are maybe sitting down with their players and showing them social media and saying, going through the guidelines of what to do, what not to do, what not to say. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Um, but it's, it's like it's like Simon was saying, I mean, footballers have got no real obligation um, to, to go out into the media. You know, they're there, they're there to play football and really dealing with the media is just a... Uh, an ancillary part of part of what they do um, you know the, the clubs have obligations to put players up for media appearances uh, so but they have a terrible time at we see press offices chasing players around tunnels all the time trying to get them to come and do a TV interview try and get them to do radio try and get them to, to come and talk to uh, us the, you know the, the written online press in the in the mix zone and um, now they, they they're not too bad. We doing TV and radio because, as I said, you know that they feel that their words are then going across pretty much in the way that they're doing social media. I mean, it can be carefully edited, but you'd have to be a pretty stupid TV <laughs> or radio person if you were starting edit- editing to make somebody look bad because you're not going to get them next time. Um, but sometimes when it appears in the written press, it can appear different. It's not always necessarily because we in the written press are, are trying to stitch them up. But it's just you don't always get their meaning, you know, especially with, especially with foreign players, you know, they might've meant something slightly different. And when it appears, it's not what they meant. And then they get upset and they, they don't want to talk. Um, or,
2: or for instance, like it's someone that wasn't there. Yes. You know, cause like I was saying before, pet being sarcastic on Foden a bit, like, you know, we could speak to someone and put their words out and then someone who wasn't there, but, but, I don't know, another the, a, a publication from of like a rival team, for instance, could take those quotes out of context and do a big spin on it. And then it, and you know, the footballer doesn't then say, oh, I don't want to speak to that publication. They just say, I won't bother speaking to anyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we can just explain uh, what quite often happens is if we if we talk to a player in the mix zone, uh, every journalist who's at the game isn't in the mix zone. There's just a few. So there might be four or five of us talking to a player and we have an agreement that we will share those quotes with other people. Um, it doesn't always, that's like Sai says, when it's, when it's in black and white on a page, it doesn't always give the nuance. It doesn't always come across. He might crack a joke and when you look at it on a page it's not a joke it looks whereas if you were there and you saw him laughing and smiling about it, you know he was being ironic or or whatever it doesn't always come across when you see it on the page um I mean it's it's our duty as journalists really to convey that the fact that he was joking he wasn't being serious doesn't always happen and people can take it out of context and then you've got a problem
0: yeah we shall see and Obviously, Bernardo now has until the 9th of October to respond, in which we'll we'll see what happens ultimately. Um, moving on, City are back in action this weekend in the Premier League against Wolves. Um, and Stu, do you think we saw last time out in the league that Gabriel Jesus started for City. Do you imagine that he'll just go back to starting Aguero this weekend, or do you think maybe the last two games have given a case for maybe giving Jesus another run?
1: Well, I broke off to do this podcast in the middle of writing a piece because I'm desperate to see it again. I want to see the two of them play. I want to see Aguero and Jesus as a two uh, in a three-five-two. I um, mean, Pep pretty much poured cold water on that last week. He, he said that it doesn't really work playing the two of them. He tried it at Norwich and it, it didn't work. Um, I think he feels it exposes them a little bit. Uh, but when he has played it in the past, it has worked. You know, they've scored goals. They've looked great. You had two wing-backs, usually Mendy and Walker, bombing on. And I was interested in mean, Cancelo played in midweek. Now, he's a perfect wing-back from what I've seen of him. You know, he was a winger, um, and he's great at getting forward. He gets crosses into the box better than Walker does. So, he's got all the tools now to play a 3-5-2 again. Of course, the problem with that is somebody like Sterling or Mares or David Silva has to be dropped to accommodate it um so you, you when, whereas you gain you gain with a three-five-two, you lose with a three-five-two as well so I, I wanna that, this is just me probably because I, I like I've liked watching I like watching a three-five-two, um and I, I'd, I'd like to see City play that Pro- probably just to mix it up a little bit as well because we see that four-three-three 3 3 wiping the floor with teams week after week I just think it'd it'd be something different to watch um so yeah I mean in terms of Jesus I I think until Pep decides he is going to play that 3-5-2 I I think he will obviously he'll just keep keep moving one in and moving one out Um, as to what he'll do this weekend goodness only knows (laughs) I've given up second guessing him because it's impossible
0: do you think Gabriel Jesus? Is, do you think he's he's stepped up a bit since last year? From what you've seen so far this one, um,
1: yeah, he, he had he had a spell last year where he just couldn't score. I think he's got four in four in eight so far this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I saw and he was speaking last week to Brazilian TV, and he said that uh, he's obviously been working at certain aspects of his game because he was very proud of the fact that three of his goals have been left-footed. Uh, he obviously saw that as being a, a, a part of his game that wasn't good enough, um, and he's he, he scored he scored three left-footed goals, um, so he's, he's clearly working hard at it. But I thought I thought the interview that he gave last week was, was superb um, because he, he he said you know I've I've been frustrated, which you would expect him to be um, if he's not playing. You won't want a player who's happy not to play. Um, but he said, "I've got to be realistic as well and look at the fact that Sergio Aguero is ahead of me in the team. He's an absolute legend at this club, and he's been in great form. And you just got to hold your hands up uh, and accept it's not anything you're doing wrong. But then again, he's, he's also clearly going out into the training ground and working hard at his game, working on the aspects of his game that he can improve, uh, and that can only be a good thing."
0: Yes, so with with Jesus, do you think he is? the man after Aguero? Or do you think when Aguero does leave, City are just going to go out and get another top striker and then Agu- Jesus might be in the same situation still?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're not identical strikers, but then I sort of think Aguero's a bit of a... Well, a's sort of part of a very rare club in that he's one of the best strikers in the world ever. And so you're not going to find it easy to replace him. But also that kind of like number nine is um, not sort of the big number nine but you know he, he just scores goals from anywhere and, and that as well will be difficult to to replace I think as Stu was saying it, it's kind of that's what Aguero did when G- Jesus came and Jesus kind of knocked him out of the team and this is Aguero who scored all these goals and Guardiola's saying well yeah you've got that but give me more give me what he's got and you might think you're the best player in the world but if you're not in the team, you've got to look at what that other person's doing and try and sort of do what they're doing. And and that's what Aguero did. And that's why he became sort of ahead of Jesus unquestionably. So it's good to see that Jesus is trying to work on aspects of his game. And and I think the longer you see the two of them together, the more Jesus is likely to become more like Aguero. Um and develop sort of into an even better striker. And I I think he's been pretty terrific this season.
1: I thought the goal he scored at Everton last week, people were raving about Kevin De Bruyne's cross, which quite rightly, and like I was earlier raving about Riyad Mahrez breaking away on the counter. But that headed finish was, it was exceptional. Yeah. You know, it was a great ball in from De Bruyne, but it it took us a lot of finishing because it it was too low to head really. And it was too high to get another part of the body on it. And the way the way he twisted in midair and got his head on it and got it on target was superb it was it was a it was a brilliant goal from Jesus' point of view we, I've seen him score two or three of those for city um, and again that's that's a great sign for a goal scorer somebody who can who can score um, when it when it doesn't look likely when the, when the ball in isn't isn't absolutely perfect um, for you Um and he he's, he started doing that. Aguero's always done it. We've seen Aguero score goals that he's got no right to score. And um,
2: Jesus is added that to his game as well. And that yeah. he, he's had four in eight. He should have had six in eight with goals against West Ham and Tottenham. And that course, that yeah. Tottenham goal was sort of a goal that Aguero would have scored or Sterling would have scored when chips are down and you need something to happen. And he takes the mantle and smashed it in the back of the net it obviously wasn't given but you know if he can become that man that scores when City need him to then he's going to be hard to take out the team
0: yeah, Absolutely and I mean Wolves this weekend and well they've given City some tough tests in the past Stu I mean do you get the sense that maybe this year they've lost their edge a little bit Well they, they clearly have um, yeah I mean going, going back two
1: seasons when they were in the Championship uh, City drew them at home in the in the Carabao Cup, and everyone thought another gimme for City. And it was the toughest home game they'd, they'd had that season. Wolves really, really gave them a tough test. You know, they were they were solid defensively. They were presenting a big threat on on the uh, on the counter. Um, and then last season, uh, City went to Molineux and drew. I mean, they shouldn't have done. To be fair, they hit the woodwork a couple of times. And Wolves' equaliser was was should have been ruled out for handball. Um, but having said that, Wolves were live opponents; they gave City problems as they did to a lot of teams. You know, United, Liverpool, they gave everybody a game last season. Uh, this season, whether it's just second season syndrome or whether it's the fact that they've got Europe, obviously they've been they've been playing in Europe this week, and it takes some adjusting to, especially if you've not got the biggest squad. Um, you know. It, that, that has that has perhaps affected them a little bit, um, and they, they they had the they got the first win didn't they last week? They, but it was at home to Watford, yeah. uh, which you would expect them to win really. Um, so I mean we'll, we'll see we'll see on Sunday how much how much they've got left. But they, I I enjoyed watching them last season. I thought they were a breath of fresh air, um, and I, I hope they come with the same kind of attitude on Sunday.
0: Yeah, and finally, side any outside chance of maybe seen any of the youngsters in that back four on the weekend maybe Eric Garcia Howard Bellis um or would that be another level
2: of a shock I think that would be another level of shock um I think I mean Otamendi and Fernandinho have both had sort of issues in the past with Fernandinho with fitness and Otamendi with is he going to make a mistake um but sort of two consecutive Weeks now, I think they've played um, two games in four days. They've had they'll have had four days since the the Dynamo game. Um, so I think last game before the international break, Pep will just want to keep the same pair together and sort of comfortable home win, see it off, and hopefully see John Stones back after the international break. Sort of give them a a bit more choice, really. Mm.
0: Stu?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, I think it'll be, be those two again. I mean, I, I felt a bit guilty actually because last week it was it was Fernandinho's double error that gave Everton their goal. And in my marks out of 10, um, I scribbled down that he's not a defender. And then he went out and looked every inch a defender against Dinamo in midweek. There was a couple of times where where Dinamo um, were breaking. I remember one it was a two-on-two in particular. And Fernandinho just waited and waited and waited, and then just stepped in, took the ball away, did a little shuffle with his feet to beat the player who was roaring in at him, and uh, and and came away with the ball. And I thought, actually, he is a defender. He's just a different kind of defender. You know, uh, he's he's got all the ability to do it. The only problem with Fernandinho in the Premier League is whether he's got the physicality to do it and whether he's got the experience. Um, of, of defending crosses and, and defending against players who are running behind you um, which is something he's not not really used to but they're the best options at the minute Fernandinho and Otamendi I mean I like Eric Garcia but he's he's still he's still young and he's got that problem of, of the physicality from for from my mind and I, I, I like I like Taylor Howard Bellis as well but he's 17 you know let's not let's not push him too hard just let him Progress at his own rate. He's, he's still physically got to, got to grow. If he can grow, um, I mean, he's six foot two as it is. If he fills out and becomes strong, um, you know, he he kind of looking at Virgil van Dyke, Harry Maguire. Where you've got a big player, but who can play football as well? I mean, I, I, sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to put him in that bracket. But what I am saying is, he's got all the tools uh, in terms of his football ability. He's he's got the tools in the way Van Dyke and Harry Maguire have. Um, and if he if he physically fills out, you've got both sides of the both sides that you need in the Premier League, which is a big lad who can head balls and compete with with rough centre forwards, but also can play it
0: out from the back. Yeah, well, you do grow. I think till the age of twenty-one, is it? Twenty-three for twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you imagine if he's six foot two at seventeen, then. <laughs> well, I'm still growing at fifty-six, right?
1: <laughs> just in the wrong directions. Yeah, uh,
0: we'll 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 see anyway. What happens, Wolves? I mean, we've got we've got the international break next week, so in terms of podcasts, we might. I think we might be away for that one, but we will be returning possibly the week after. Thanks, Sai, Thanks, Stu. Yeah, we'll see you again after the international break. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so. Leave a like, leave a comment, and we will see you again soon.